Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network, uh, host of all sorts of things out in the Deer District, post-game shows. He does it all, and he's also on this podcast very frequently as well. Of course, it is Justin Garcia. For today's podcast, it is brought to you by the Locked on Live NBA Draft Show. NBA Draft GOAT Chad Ford. Locked on NBA draft host Raphael Barlow and locked on NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. So uh, you can follow Locked on NBA and the YouTube channel today and watch the live coverage from July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Justin, it's, it's good to have you back on. We were going to try and squeeze you on with Frank the other night. It didn't happen. But since we last spoke, the Bucks have won another couple of games. They're now leading the NBA Finals 3-2. And I think last night we certainly discussed the Game 5 from the Bucks' perspective and all the things that happened there. But I do think there's some interesting talking points to get to from the Phoenix side of things tonight. We're going to talk about Devin Booker, certainly Chris Paul, and then look ahead, start to look ahead to Game 6 there. But just before we started recording this podcast, Justin. We, we always say this. I always say this when I, when I was over there. I was very fortunate to be able to get into these games for work. You're in a similar position because, geez, I was just looking at some ticket prices. Not that I can get over there or anything like that. Just out of curiosity, I was just having a look at the prices for tickets. And uh, fair to say, not cheap. Uh, yeah, I saw a handful of people posting about uh, getting tickets and the ballpark for price ranges. And the first few that I saw, I thought like, no way. And then the more you saw, you're like, oh, okay, I guess tickets are that much. So it is, um, it's certainly a benefit to not have to worry about pain to get in there. Um, because this is, it's, it's just been an incredible run and we hope it ends on Tuesday, but uh, it, it is, you know, it feels like we've said this a number of times already throughout the playoffs, but it is just going to be electric there on Tuesday night. Yeah, no question. It looks like it's been pretty electric, even when they've been on the road, whether it's in the building, whether it's outside as well. So I've seen a bunch of people and know a bunch of people. I mean, obviously, Frank is number one that's traveling to Milwaukee for this game. But there's a bunch of people that have just hit the road, whether they're going to be in the arena or they're going to be outside. It's going to be absolute chaos. And you know, with that, I mean, we, we spoke about this on the show yesterday, but I, I think we've all watched the Bucks for long enough to not take anything for granted here. I mean, this series can really swing. And I think the one thing that we've understood from watching the five games so far is that in every single game, it has felt like either team could win pretty late into the game. And, and some of these games have been double-digit deficits in the end. But despite that, there's still been moments, whether it's late in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter, where the game was in the balance. So... I don't think that you can go into this game six assuming that the Bucs are going to win. And quite frankly, the Bucs have been playing from behind for basically the entire postseason after the first round. 
they've really had their backs up against the wall in every single series. So they're in a bit of a unique position here where they're in front. They have a chance to close out this series and doing it on their home floor. I don't think the pressure can be any higher than this. I was actually listening to the low post and they had Nick Nurse on there and Nick Nurse, um, I, I wouldn't say he was very interesting on this podcast. I'll say I that. Know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether he was like disappointed that these two teams are there and the Raptors had a shitty season. I'm not sure, but he, he didn't bring much to the table. But the one thing he did say is that, you know, he learned with the Raptors in 2019 that trying to close it out at home brings a different level of expectation and a different level of pressure. So, uh, look, the Bucks are going to have to stay locked in and focused. Yeah, I saw um, Nick Nurse was the guest for the uh, Windhorst and, and Low Pod and was excited and listened to yeah, it on my, my drive home. And then, um, you know, two minutes in was like, this, uh, this is not what I expected. But I think that was the most salient point he made of, and look, for the never trust the Bucks crowd, I'm sure there's a lot of that that's creeped into your mind already. But uh, it, it's a good point of there's a lot of pressure. And, and for Nick Nurse to give more of a peek behind the curtain of, well, you start to deal with hearing the conversations going on around you about what's your ring size and when are we going to have the parade? And you got to kind of fight that off. So we do tend to see some home teams slip up a little bit in those situations. So it's going to be interesting um, to see you know, how the Bucks come out. Because as you mentioned, and I, I think it's only one time this series that they've won the first quarter, and it, it's been basically a playoff-wide thing for the Bucks. that I know people, there's some that like to point to, well, how does the game start? And I've just tried to say, look, at this point, it doesn't really matter how the game starts, that we see this team, it's the second quarter, and looking at how this team closes out quarters and halves, that's more important than how are they starting the game. Uh, because, look, down 16 going into the second and seeing the immediate turnaround that they had, that's just who this team is. But when, when Nick Nurse said, I think there's a lot of basketball left, I was interested of like, okay, let's hear why. And you just got the generic coach speak of, well, it's, it's tough to close out. I think there's a lot left. I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one there. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, you brought up the first quarter, and that's interesting because just as you were doing that, I was looking up first quarter numbers here, and um, I, it's been interesting in this series that whether it's on the road, whether it's at home, the Bucks haven't been able to get off to that quick start. And that was something that they really benefited from, particularly in home games against the Nets. And also against the Hawks as well. Obviously, Miami, but that series, I mean, again, Miami. I, we, we said it straight after that series. Miami were just not a good team. So that's fine. We can move on from that. But the Bucs haven't been able to get off to a quick start. And when you're looking at this game six and the pressure and the anxiety that might be there, on the flip side of things, you have a real opportunity to try and bury the Suns early. And, and I'm not saying that this game is going to be easy. And the Suns certainly aren't a team that, are just going to go down double digits and give up. I think we've seen enough from them to understand that's not going to be the case. But geez, if the Bucs were ever going to have a quick start at home with the crowd ready to absolutely blow the roof off Fiserv Forum, it feels like the first five to six to seven minutes of this game in game six could be absolutely critical. Yeah, and um, so I was listening to uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue just before we were taping too, and their uh, recap of the game. And, and I agree with, I think it was Nate that made the point of the way this series has turned, you, you certainly can't rule out Phoenix winning a game six and even Phoenix winning two in a row. But I think we've kind of moved past the point where Phoenix is not going to blow out the Bucks and win by double digits that if there is a blowout in the final two games of this series or game, it's going to be from the Bucks, from what we saw, that they withstood that 16-point charge early and they've come back. So 
I think if you believe in momentum, they certainly have it. And if there's a blowout, you would you would have to believe it would be the Bucks, and they get off to a fast start, and they feed off the crowd and play kind of like they did earlier in this series. But um, I just you know, it's interesting. I know you and Frank talked about it quite a bit. On the one hand, I don't know what the changes are or adjustments Phoenix can make. I mean, it's only slight tinkering that it, it it's starting to feel like the Bucks have just been the better team throughout this series. But still, the same things we pointed to early in the series for optimism for the Bucks. And I was still, I don't know how you felt, but even after a 2 nothing hole, I still felt they were going to win the series, especially after game two went down the way it did. Um, Phoenix can make the same case, though. For as much as we can say, hey, you know, the Bucks have, we think, been the better team throughout this series. Well, if you're the Suns, you can say we are in all these games. I mean, how in the world did we lose each of those last two games with the way they unfolded? So we're right there that it, this is, for as good as you feel now with three straight wins, it's still tough to really peg what this series is going to be. You're certainly a more confident man than me, Justin, because I, I wouldn't say that I thought they were going to win the series, mostly because the room for error is just so little. And when we look at the, the margins in these games and why the Bucks won. And it wasn't just down to these two plays, but you think about the Giannis block in game four, then it obviously the play with Drew and Giannis there in game five. And, uh, you know, things go slightly different in those situations. You lose the game. And that's, that's why dropping those first two games is certainly costly. But they took care of home court and now they find themselves in a position to take the series, which uh, obviously has been Incredibly impressive how this team continues to respond when their back is up against the wall. Uh, before we move on to Devin Booker, because I think there's an interesting conversation to be had there, uh, I will talk about Rock Auto a little bit more because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? Choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money using Rock Auto. Why would you spend to choose? Uh, what would you choose to spend? Thirty percent, fifty percent, even a hundred percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. You can check out the catalog at rockauto.com and find exactly what you need. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box today? No, we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So Devin Booker, Justin, it's been a pretty hot topic of conversation on Twitter, I would say, in the last 24 hours after this game, which, look, I mean, it's pretty harsh when you see that he had the night that he had back-to-back 40-point games. I mean, we saw Giannis have a 40-point effort in a losing game this series as well. Some of the individual performances in this final series have been remarkable. But there is question marks out there around Devin Booker and whether or not he needs to, to, to facilitate a little bit more or they need to give the ball to Chris Paul a little bit more. And I'm just not sure I agree with that if I'm looking at it from a Phoenix point of view. Now, the number that, that you looked up before we started the show, because I knew it was really high. I saw it floating around somewhere. 42% usage percentage for Devin Booker in game five is obviously just a staggering number for him. 
but I do think that, I mean, part of it is that he's really the most dangerous guy on their team right now. And I think actually, if I'm looking at this game and I'm Phoenix, rather than saying, oh, maybe we need to get the ball out of Devin Booker's hand a little bit more. Maybe we just simply need to play him a little bit more. He played only 41 minutes in this game. And clearly the defining stretch in this game was at the start of the second quarter where if you go back and watch it, and it was sort of lost in all this, how long this actually went on for in the moment as I was watching. But watching the replay last night, there was a stretch of over three minutes where Booker and Giannis were standing at the scorer's table. And in typical circumstances, the Bucks might look to to force a stoppage or, or some sort of stop of play where they can get Giannis into the game. Because as we know, so far this series, the Bucks in the non-Giannis minutes have been pretty disastrous. But it came at an opportune time because Devin Booker was also off the court. And it was really shocking to me that the Suns didn't find a way to get Booker on the floor given what was unfolding. The 16-point lead at the end of the first quarter quickly evaporated to two points by the time Booker... And Giannis came back into the game, which was on that Bobby Portis offensive rebound, put back, and won. He's flexing. Giannis is flexing. And then all those guys come back onto the floor. But we've discussed Monty Williams a little bit in this series. Staggering to me that he left him off the floor for that long, given what was going on. And when you look at the final margin, I mean, you can look at the end of the game plays. You can look at the fourth quarter, the third quarter. But that stretch at the start of the second quarter killed the Suns. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough series for Monty Williams too, and it's funny that coming in, it was Monty Williams was getting a lot of the accolades and like look look at how much this guy has progressed and he's done a great job in Phoenix. But there was a lot of people; it was almost universal that you would give the coaching nod to the Suns over the Bucks, and it's been Bud that's out coached Monty Williams, and I think his inability there has really been a big issue. And you think back to even the way he handled the DeAndre Ayton foul situation earlier in the series. And it it seemed like he learned from that when we saw Devin Booker get into foul trouble uh, in Milwaukee. But overall, it's been a tough series for Monty. And and the Devin Booker thing, because he was what, I think plus 12 in that game. So the Suns were a minus 16 with him off the floor, which matches the eyeball test. And to me, it's... um, you know, it's it's interesting because I don't think it's so much of, as, as you were pointing to what all the criticism are, I, I don't think it's, well, you got to get Chris Paul more looks because Chris Paul, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out after the finals that there was something going on. He just does not look like the Chris Paul that we saw certainly early in the playoffs. And he was invisible in those 35 minutes that it was – a really deceiving stat line for his 21 points and 11 assists that it just didn't feel like it. And he did not make an impact in this game. And a lot of his impact is getting his teammates involved, which just wasn't there. So I don't think Devin Booker needs to be, you know, back to the six or seven assist totals that he had in the first two games of this series, but there just needs to be more ball movement that you still, he needs to be the guy scoring, but it it seems like the Suns offense has just reverted in the last three, three and a half games to just the Devin Booker show in the half court and taking tough contested mid-range shots. And there's no movement going on around him where even in game one, you think about that possession where there was 11 passes, I think, and it resulted in a basket. There's been none of that. And we saw a little bit of it in the first quarter of game five. But other than that, there just hasn't been that movement from Phoenix. And I don't know how much you can blame Devin Booker when he's, he's cooking like that, but 
they're just, they've been stagnant. And that's been their biggest problem is, you know, the Bucks have grown accustomed and had a series and seven games of experience of figuring out when we have a guy that's on a heater like this, here's how we can make it tough, defend him and make sure that his teammates don't really kill us. And I think the biggest thing you point to is the corners and how that was a huge issue for the Bucks early in this series and how I think the Suns have gotten up maybe eight corner threes in the three games played since game two when they were up to 17. I do think part of it, and we've seen it as the series has gone on, we've spoke about overhelping all year long, really. I mean, it's been a problem for the Bucks for a number of years, but I do think that the trust factor has come back a little bit, even with guys defending Booker. If they switch and it's Pat Connaughton, they trust him that he's going to at least get the hand in his face, whether it's PJ Tucker, the same there. And I think there's levels to how uncomfortable a number of these Bucks defenders have been able to make Booker. And, and I don't necessarily think that he's perturbed by Pat Connaughton at all, or really even PJ Tucker. He, he's pretty confident that he's able to get to his shots. But I do think that the Suns became a little bit too focused with getting the correct matchup with Devin Booker. And then as you pointed to, there was just no ball movement. The Chris Paul stuff is so fascinating to me. I mean, for him to only play 35 minutes in this game is is quite remarkable. And, and his minutes have been around that. He's at 36 yeah. for the series. I believe I had it up here um, just before 36.9. So 36.9 for the series. He hasn't really been in foul trouble at all as far as this series has gone. So I agree. He's probably not right, but that game last night at 21 points, 11 assists, only one turnover. He was nine for 15 from the field. So he was efficient. He was back to that. And I yeah. do think that if they want to find that ball movement and get that ball swinging and find those guys on the perimeter, Devin Booker at the moment is not really asking too many questions of the Bucks defense in terms of are they going to help? Because I think that they're pretty satisfied with the fact that, look, great players are going to make a great shot. And I don't think that sending a second guy to Devin Booker in those scenarios is really going to stop him from getting the shot up. So they're, they're kind of happy with, look, we've been through this. We've had a pretty good preparation for this type of scenario we played Kevin Durant where the guy just went absolutely nuclear on his own but if the other guys aren't knocking down the shots I think it's it's they're going to be okay with it they're going to feel like they can outscore the Suns and I think we're seeing the difference between the Bucks having three guys on the perimeter and I know people look at Giannis and say well he's not a perimeter player but a lot of his action starts on the perimeter a lot of his ball handling starts on the perimeter so we drew Chris and Giannis, you have three guys, and then you have the big presence of, of Brooke Lopez, whereas for Phoenix, it's kind of like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and then you have the big guy, DeAndre Ayton, but there's not really a third player that's doing anything other than shooting threes, and this has been the bizarre thing for Phoenix all season long. They just don't shoot a lot of them. I mean, the fact that they only yeah. attempted 19 threes in that game five is, is a crazy, crazy stat. It, I mean, that was their biggest failure, I think, in game five, is they only took 19 threes when they were shooting almost 70%, that at some point you just have to keep shooting until you, you go on this prolonged stretch where they're not going in. And for Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder to start the way they did from the outside and, and finish with seven combined attempts, uh, that was a huge failure to just not use the math because we saw the Suns fall in love with that tough, contested mid-range shot. And there weren't very many shots at the rim. They only took 19 threes. I mean, that's playing right into the Bucks' hand. So... Uh, that was a huge issue. And the whole Chris Paul thing, I mean, again, this was his best game statistically since game one, but it just didn't feel like it. And the same with DeAndre Ayton, where he had another double-double, but kind of the same boat as Chris Paul, where 
statistically it looks like a nice game, but you didn't really feel his impact. And I think you really noticed that Monty Williams uh, has kind of come to the assumption of 35 is probably the max for Chris Paul from what we've seen for the last couple of games and how he really appeared to wear down down the stretch in Milwaukee. So it, it looked like early they were kind of using him for spurts and then would take him out for prolonged stretches. I think he played the entire fourth quarter. But, I mean, that's, again, one of the problems that the Suns have. If you're not playing the way you did during the regular season and Chris Paul is going to be off the court for extended periods of time, then it's really on Devin Booker. And I think that kind of set the table from the start for the Suns. So just as Bucks fans were pulling their hair out and just maddeningly frustrated earlier in the playoff run of why aren't we playing this way that we did when we saw success against Miami and the games that we won against Brooklyn. And you think back to the way that that Hawks series started and thinking, why aren't we doing what works? The Suns and their fans have to be saying the same thing right now, because this is not how they played in the regular season. It was moving the ball around. You had Devin Booker who had the ability to go off, but it was Devin Booker, Chris Paul, you were utilizing DeAndre Ayton and then the guys like Crowder and Bridges and even campaign, they were getting the open looks through the ball movement, and that's just all gone by the wayside over the last three and a half games. This is why just the coaching discussion is always so funny because we, we can sit here and, and rip Monty Williams, and, and that's fine, but if Devin Booker hits that last shot and they win the game, then we're all praising him for riding Devin Booker, who has this historic finals performance. And for the Bucks' point of view, we can all look and say, look, Bud's done a pretty good job coaching, and I think he has. I mean, the, we've said it. The one thing you can't do... Is accused Bud of not trying things, but at yeah. the same time, he come the players come up with a couple of absolutely absurd plays. They win a couple of close games, and now Bud's one win away from being a championship coach. That's why it's just always such a funny conversation to me. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the best coaches in the history of the game generally have yeah. some pretty iconic moments or, or iconic performances from players that get them that success there. So well, they also have. They typically have the best players. Yeah, too, yeah. So. I mean, it, it, exactly right. I mean, this is this is why, you know, I, I think the 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 margins between the the elite coaches and then just the very good coaches is pretty slow. There's no doubt about that. But there's going to be a conversation to be had about Bud at the end of this postseason run, no matter what happens here. But uh, look, look, I, I, I think the, the the criticisms of Bud, you're hearing a lot of people saying, "Well, we normally get on Bud for this, but it's hard to do it right now." Um. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about that. And we've talked about it earlier in the playoffs of the the camp that's out there that says, I hope they don't win because then you have to keep Bud. I mean, what, what are we doing here? It. I don't think they mean I, it. I, I don't know. I'm not convinced sometimes. But yeah, he's done a terrific job. I think you can go as far as saying terrific in this series. And overall, he's done a really good job in the playoffs. And I mean, if they win a championship, as, as Brian Windhorst, who we've already referenced here, likes to say, championships mean you don't have to apologize. So that, that buys him a lot of goodwill, at least in my eyes. And the last thing to round out the Booker and Chris Paul discussion that I bring up to you, um, do you think we'll continue to see the defensive matchups we did? or Because when you watch that game in game five and really the way the series has unfolded, I kind of feel like it's more beneficial at this point, especially needing just one win for the Bucks to switch and just move to Drew Holiday, you take Devin Booker, and P.J. Tucker, you take Chris Paul. Let me come back to that. I think that's an interesting question. Before I answer that, I will uh, talk about our friends at betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. 
Baseball season's in full swing. I keep on saying that, but the Brewers are absolutely rolling right now. And how about the Brewers changing their game in a couple of days uh, to the afternoon so they don't clash with the Bucks? Uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, I love that. But you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NFL Futures, UFC, MMA, whatever you're into, you can find it there. Probably wrestling, I guess. There was a, there was a pay-per-view on today. I know you were watching that, Justin. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On for that. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Getting back to the conversation with the defensive matchups, I, I think I think I kind of disagree with you in, in terms of would you put Drew Holiday on Booker? And the reason why I would leave Drew Holiday on Chris Paul is that I, I think that what we've seen with Chris Paul over these last few games, and again, admittedly, the box score numbers look pretty nice, certainly bumped up by a, a pretty good fourth quarter, certainly shooting the ball. Four for four, two for two from three for CP3 when a lot of the times he wasn't being guided by Drew Holiday. But right. I think the physicality and the toll that Drew Holiday is putting on Chris Paul is something that I think I would like to try and continue. Um, and again, I don't think that I'm looking at defensively uh, Devin Booker and saying, well, okay, I, I think that the Bucks are just completely out of their depth. I don't think that's the case. Devin Booker has been really, really streaky as a shooter throughout, well, throughout his career, but throughout this postseason run for sure as well. He's had a couple of excellent nights here. I, I figure he's going to continue to get those shots up. We saw Drew Holiday come up with a couple of big plays, certainly that steal in the third quarter and then went down uh, and shot the three was a big moment and Booker was absolutely trying to get physical with him there. But I, I think I would leave Drew Holiday on Chris Paul because I think if you can get in his head and continue to get in his head couple of early steals, a couple of early turnovers. All of a sudden, I, I think Chris Paul and the Suns are completely out of shape and out of sorts again. And, and even though he had one turnover, I think there was a couple of other plays during the game where Chris Paul, they, it ended up in a turnover, but I think they probably, you know, in fairness, were caused by bad passes from Chris Paul as well. So I really like the physicality of Drew Holiday. And I tell you what, Justin, what I would like to see after watching this, the, the replay of this game, if the officials, because look, we didn't talk about it yesterday, and I, we don't complain about the officials too much. But Booker got away with tackling Chris Middleton again with a minute and a half to go. I don't know what's going there. But what about the use of the forearm? He is really, really clearing space on repeat. And it's staggering to me that they haven't uh, called one of these offensive fouls because it is very, very clear. I mean, it's not, it's not subtle. It's not subtle how he's clearing space. It is, um, it is one of the nitpicks you could make about Bud of – you know, he's he's just not going to do that. But I think you, you think about other coaches and, and we would start to hear about it. I mean, we heard Monty Williams griping about the fouls, even though the free throw shooting has been pretty consistent for both of these teams throughout the series. Um, but you would, I think, see other coaches start to make that known in their, per, in their postgame and uh, in their conversations with the official as well over, hey, uh, Devin Booker's using his arm quite a bit there and, and nudging off on those possessions. So can you make sure you watch that? But um, yeah, I mean, there's, look, I think the elephant in the room is we're all, all anxiously awaiting Tuesday morning at what, nine o'clock, I think eight <laughs> o'clock local time to see the official assignments and see 
if there is one specific official that'll be working a Chris Paul game for game six, because we're going to see him one more time in this series if it goes seven games. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the one thing I think the Bucks can point to is, man, Devin Booker, not only with those two calls that were not called against him in Milwaukee, but then the other Chris Middleton play that you referenced, but offensively, there seems to be a lot of push-offs here that he is just getting to a go-to at will. And the question I asked you too, I, I, I would keep it as is at this point, just for the adage of if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The only reason I bring it up is just, it seemed like in game five, um, the Bucks played or started to do things a lot better defensively when PJ Tucker, and it's not a knock on him, but got into foul trouble. And we mm-hmm. saw Drew take Devin Booker, but um, yeah, to your point, it's really tough to say, okay, if we make that switch and it gets Chris Paul a little bit more leniency because you got to figure PJ's not going to be picking him up full court if you do that. Maybe Chris Paul can find his legs back and, and gets going and generate some of those plays that we saw in the first couple of games of this series. So I don't anticipate it, but when you watch the final two quarters of that game, couldn't help but think, man, Drew's doing a pretty good job here on Devin Booker. Yeah, I, I think the point you made is probably where I, I lie on it. I, I don't think that the Bucks necessarily have a good answer for Chris Paul if it's not Drew Holiday, but I do think they've got multiple options at least with Devin Booker, which is probably why I would leave it there. Going back the other way, I mean, we saw a couple of different things. We saw certainly in Game 4, the Suns were quick to double Giannis, send multiple bodies to him. Saw a little bit less of that in Game 5, but we did see on occasions that they threw two players at Chris Milton as a ball handler. And I think Chris Milton, to this point, it, it, look, at times, he can be a little bit loose with some of his passing. I think we've discussed for a long time that we probably think that at this point, he might be the best facilitator on the team, though the numbers that Drew Holiday's putting up, nine assists per game, only two turnovers in this NBA final series so far, is clearly really impressive. But I thought Chris did a great job of navigating those double teams when they tried to send multiple bodies at him, there was one play in particular where he just read it so well, made the quick pass to Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday fired the ball into Brook Lopez for a dunk when the Bucks needed it in the, in the third quarter there or it might have been early in the fourth. So that was a little bit of a different look. But I think we have mostly seen what the Suns can do at this point. And I think you could say the same for both teams. We're heading into game six here. So again, I, I don't know if there's many adjustments left for these two teams, and it might simply just come down to who makes shots on the night. I think because Phoenix was shooting the ball so well in Game 5, it clearly limited the Bucks' opportunities to get out in the fast-break situations, but that's what we have seen in this series. That's how Milwaukee get into the game, whether it was early in the second quarter in Game 5, whether it was the big run that they went on in Game uh, 3, I guess it was, in the second quarter where they really went nuts. If they can get multiple stops, um, that, that, that that's going to... That's going to bode well for the Bucks' offense, particularly when they get out in transition. So again, we've spoken about it. I think the start is going to be key in this game six. But overall, I'm just looking forward to seeing the atmosphere, seeing uh, what, what Milwaukee's got to offer here in, in the next few days and come, leading up to game time. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, I, uh, I, it, you're still kind of in the, I can't believe they're actually here, that they have a chance to not only win the finals in six, but it would be at home. Uh, so Tuesday, is, 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 it's just going to be surreal. And it, it did feel like you know, we've had two games throughout this series where the Bucks actually shot the ball really well from the outside. But 
game five especially kind of felt like the basketball gods were doing the Bucks a solid for the last two years of missing open looks in the playoffs. That you, you think about the shot making that went on for both teams in the second and third quarter. I mean, for the Bucks in the second and third, but for both teams in the third quarter, those are shots we don't see this Bucks team make in the past. So when you get things like that and you get back-to-back games with signature plays, with the block and with the alley-oop, I mean, it's really tough to not get ahead of yourself when those things happen and think, this, this feels like things are breaking our way and this is a special year. Yeah, it's interesting to look at the numbers across the series. The Bucs are at 37% from three, which, as we know from what we've watched, feels like just unbelievable. Feels like they're That's just like absolutely 90%, yeah. Up. yeah, which is actually still below where they were in the regular season. So it's kind of funny to think about how much of an outburst it does feel like it has been. But Phoenix as a team, 50, 40, 86. 86, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Basically shooting they, 50, 40, 90 as a team in this damn series, and they're losing. And could potentially lose before seven games, too, if that's the case. So a big part of that, as we've discussed, is the second-chance points turnovers. The Bucks averaging 91 shots per game to the Suns' 84. So that will continue to be a talking point through Game 5. The Bucks have shown absolutely no issue at all with going big, using their size to crash the glass. Again, they came up with some big offensive rebounds late in this game. But as we wrap it up, I already mentioned the live draft show that we have here at Locked On. But starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is going to be going ahead. So uh, the Locked On local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is the home, audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. Uh, Justin, as we wrap it up, All I can say to you is have fun. You've been to a couple of NBA Finals games now. Uh, It's it's a crazy week over there and uh, stay safe and uh, enjoy the game, my friend. uh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for all the Bucs fans in Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, I've tried to get down there earlier than need be just to walk around and, and take it all in for each of these games and especially the home games and you know, I know you guys have, have touched on this too, but it's the thing that we've all kind of stressed to everybody that's following along and listening to this show is to just make sure you're really appreciating this as it happens because it took 50 years for the last championship, only championship. So you feel good about the nucleus of this team, but who knows, it could be another 50 years that these seasons and runs don't come along every year. So make sure you're taking the time to enjoy it and not take it for granted. Absolutely. Wise words from a wise man, but we'll wrap it up there. Hopefully uh, you found this show a little bit interesting. Of course, we'll continue to roll through and uh, we'll have a post-game show after game six as well, which uh, hopefully is a post-season show. And that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that we won't have to go to a game seven, but whatever happens, we'll have it covered here on Locked on Bucks with Justin, myself, Frank, whoever else decides to join in on the fun. So stay safe out there. Continue the celebrations. Enjoy yourself. We'll catch you guys next time.